0: Hello everyone and welcome to this podcast. Uh, my name's David Wrigley, I'm a GP and I'm Deputy Chair of Council and I'm delighted to be joined today by Leslie Bentley who's the Chair of the BMA's Patient Liaison Group and also Jenny Wigram who's the Deputy Chair of the BMA's Patient Liaison Group. So hello Leslie and Jenny.
1: Hello David. Hi
2: David, hi.
0: So I thought first it would be helpful perhaps just to, um, for you to say hello and introduce yourself so I'll Uh, Leslie, could you pass over to you?
2: Yes. Hi, David. Um, As David said, I'm lay chair of the BMA's Patient Liaison Group, and basically, I became interested in patient issues as a result of my own experience as a patient. Uh, It was a long treatment. Some of my patient experience was excellent. Some was was poor. Both had a huge impact on the outcome of my care, and I was keen to try and make the quality of patient experience more consistent. And basically, the BMA, representing all branches of practice, provides an ideal opportunity to bring such patient issues to a wide medical audience. So that's why I joined the patient liaison group here at the BMA.
0: Thanks, Leslie. And Jenny, over to you.
1: Hello. Yes, I'm deputy chair of PLG. I'm a physiotherapist. And five years ago, I chose to work part time and was looking for a voluntary position. I'd recently looked after my mum, who suffered from dementia at the end of her life. This experience, um, together with 40 years of interacting with patients as a physio, made me want to make a contribution to getting the patient's voice heard in medical circles. And I thought, what better audience than the BMA? And I was lucky enough to be selected. So that's why I joined.
0: That's great, thanks. And the PLG to me is is very special. I'm showing my age now. I was one of the inaugural members of the PLG many, many years ago and uh, I've seen the PLG grow uh, into the fantastic committee it is now and the respect it has across the BMA is enormous and you do so much work and I think if we could start to sort of talk about that and what what you add to the BMA, did you want to perhaps um, mention how you feel the PLG fits in with the BMA?
2: Yes, it's just sort of a bit of background in case people aren't aware. The, the BMA actually uh, set up the Patient Liaison Group in 2004. It, it's there to provide a formal internal reference group, really, to provide the BMA with informed patient views on matters of interest to both the profession and patients. Um, It's made up of 11 lay members and five medical members, and PLG lay members come from a range of backgrounds, and basically we draw on our knowledge from experience as patients, carers or advocates, and some, as Jenny has described, having experience of health-related fields. We're here basically to act as a critical friend on issues that concern patients to initiate constructive and robust challenges to decision making and policy development in the interest of patients and basically ensure the BMA policy development processes and related activities include patients' perspective, interests and concerns. Um, and, And we hope we help the BMA understand how its decisions may impact on patients and carers and raise awareness of the needs of all patient groups especially the vulnerable and disadvantaged. How we do this is by working alongside BMA committees on behalf of patients. So we have lay reps on various um, branch practice and specialty committees within the BMA. We feed our patient viewpoint into work taking place across the BMA and contribute to BMA consultation responses on matters requiring a patient perspective. And and we develop patient-focused resources on topics ranging from self-care kits for doctors on patient involvement. We also meet with relevant other patient stakeholders. So in terms of value to the BMA, we basically act as a sounding board for the BMA, providing valuable insight into patient responses to change, aspects of care that are highly valued and any potential concerns. And I I believe that promoting effective communication with patients and their involvement in decision making about how healthcare is delivered in the NHS is crucial if the health service is to work effectively. And if patient feedback is not sought or listened to, then their trust and effective engagement with the service will be greatly reduced with an inevitable impact on the efficient running of the service. And the PLG hopes very much to provide some of this ongoing feedback.
0: Thanks, Leslie. That, that's really helpful. And I think at this point, we shouldn't uh, forget to mention the fantastic BMA staff that support yourselves and me and all the work with it, that, they, that we do. And they're brilliant, aren't they?
1: Yes, definitely.
2: Oh, absolutely fantastic. I mean, we, we just could not function without them, they're, aren't they, Jenny? I mean, we, we just couldn't function without them. They've been brilliant. They support us. And over this difficult period now where everyone's working from home, they've been absolutely invaluable. We, we couldn't work without them absolutely
1: yes fantastic yeah
0: so i think if we move on to um some of the issues that have affected obviously the covid pandemic has been a a massive issue affecting the whole country um let alone the nhs doctors and patients so uh the bma has has turned its full attention to the covid pandemic since since march and it's consumed everything we've done and quite rightly so because of the impact it's had um, and I know PRG of, um, of, of being offering views and inputting into this. And I wondered if you wanted to say a little bit about the impact of COVID on, on yourselves.
1: Yes, indeed, we have been gathering um, from amongst ourselves and also from our friends, relations, carers, and the public um, the experiences of COVID 19 um, to contribute to BMA's work on learning lessons from the pandemic. So we've, had, uh, we've, been, we've put together a database um, in which we've all been feeding from the PLG. Our top priority is inequity. COVID has not landed evenly across the population. It's taken a greater toll on older people, on men, on poorer communities, and of course on black, Asian and minority ethnic groups. And one of PLG's tasks is to raise awareness of the needs of all patient groups, but especially the disenfranchised. Uh, We've also been exploring the experience and implications of the greater use of remote consultations during the pandemic, whether by telephone or online.
2: Yeah, this has been useful in terms of actually we're experiencing it as we're writing these reports in many ways. I've had to self-isolate. Uh, from the beginning and um, it, it's been a very interesting uh, salutary experience um, and as Jenny said that we're trying to capture all those um, experiences as we go through.
0: And as a GP myself obviously I've seen the impact on patients um, you know general practice has completely changed the way it works often we're doing lots more telephone and video consultations and patients on the whole uh, have adapted very well but it isn't easy um, and as we know, the routine care operations have all been put on hold. The BMA is hugely concerned about the massive waiting lists that we've got now. Talk, there's talk of million, three or four million people on a waiting list. And there's no plan from government about how to restart this or get through the backlog. And, you know, this is a huge concern. I'm sure the PLG will be looking at those issues in the coming months as well.
1: Yes, Indeed.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, at this point, we mustn't fail to say that it's to thank the medical profession and all healthcare workers for the fantastic work and sacrifices they've made during this period. We're absolutely indebted to you all. Um, But the change is is going to impact patients, certainly with the way uh, remote consultations are taking over. And I think there needs to be a lot of Um, attention given to that looking at uh, the quality of patient experience and clinical outcomes that arise from that.
0: Absolutely you know it really does uh, have an impact on patients I think when they perhaps don't uh, get the consultation they think they would get or they don't feel they're getting you know the care that they require so there's lots more work to be done on this and I'm sure we'll be working very closely with you on that. I wanted to now move on to another area. You had um, a very successful symposium event, I think before COVID started, um, with around 80 delegates on housing and health, and you had many speakers and experts speaking uh, and others, so... um, you know, these are really important issues. It's one of the social determinants of health, you know, housing and health. And I wondered if you wanted to explain a little bit more about that, because it did arise from a motion from the ARM itself, didn't it?
2: Absolutely. Yes, it, it did. Um, uh, basically, we feel it's one of our biggest achievements. Two motions. There were two, Yes. And uh, one of the biggest achievements of 2019-20 session for us was this symposium on housing and health. And we held it in February before um, everything else changed. It basically brought together a very wide range of speakers and experts from across the fields so of clinicians, local government representatives, charities and non-profit organizations to discuss the impact of housing as, as a social determinant of health as you mentioned, David, and how to better integrate services to improve patient care. We had over 80 delegates. We had some fascinating speakers. Um, and following the event, we've produced a short film and symposium report. So we hope that's going to be able to feed into the work that the BMA uh, will do on sort of uh, health inequalities.
0: Absolutely, and it's so important. I think um, often these things are forgotten that if you've got good housing with good heating, you know that makes such a difference to your health. And I live in a, a rural community where often the housing is, is is quite poor, and sometimes there's no heating. And you know the, we know that that does impact on health, and in, in fact increases death rates. So it's such an important issue, and it's something with yourselves we can lobby government and and, and MPs around improving these issues for 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 the for society so so thanks for all your work on that now one other issue you've been uh, looking at is self care again it's that's an area that i've had a lot of interest in 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 past times and it it's it's an area that's often overlooked or it's just um you know not given much uh, priority by government and uh, in fact there used to be a lot of funding from government for self care initiatives and that was withdrawn many years ago so uh it, it's an issue that's really really does get missed and i think you know you've been picking up on this and uh looking at how how it can impact on on patients and improve their ability to care for themselves but also that that can then help the nhs because patients who look after themselves don't don't seek help from the nhs so i wondered if you wanted to talk a little further about that work you've done
2: yes we we obviously the self care week uh that we get heavily involved with Um, And we we helped lead on a successful promotion of Self-Care Week for the BMA to members and the public. And we collaborated with the GP committee. We produced for the DHSC, the Department of Health website, Let's All Share in Self-Care, and also worked with the GP committee and commissioned three blogs that appeared in GPC and LMC newsletters. We've collaborated with the comms team in the BMA to promote self-care week and publicise PLG and the GP self-care resources. So, yes, we're very proud to do that. That also feeds into our um, patient information awards uh, ceremony that the BMA hosts, um, that I was very uh, privileged to be able to announce the winners this last year, because lots of those leaflets actually are um, supporting patients to self-care. Which is invaluable. So, the higher quality you can have of the material and the communication that's given to patients, then often the more effective uh, is their, their their ability to actually manage their condition and cope with it better.
0: Yeah, the BMA's um, PLG Patient Information Awards is a really important event of the year. Do, do you want to just explain a little bit more about it and, and how how it works and what what happens with it?
1: Yes, I was invited, or one of us was invited, and Leslie was unable, so I I stepped in, to judge, um, first of all, by shortlisting, and then we had a full day at the BMA House, um, judging all the entries, and it was really um, overwhelming, the number of entries there were, and what high quality they were, Um, and then having decided on the winners, uh, Leslie was the one to announce them, and we took part in a wonderful day. Um, where uh, all the winners and the runners-up came and were given their awards. And there was a real buzz to the day, um, and it was very uplifting. And we very much look forward to the next ceremony, although it's had to be postponed this year because of COVID. And then on the back of it, we wrote an article for the BMJ opinion section, which was called PIA, Patient Information Awards, Empowering the Patient.
2: Yeah, and I think, David, too, it gives, because it's concentrating on the best quality of patient information, it's a great resource for the membership of the BMA because it sort of gives you a blueprint of of how to go about, uh, you know, ensuring that patients uh, receive information in ways that it's easily understood um, and and best practice, really. So, and the range is huge. I mean, there are so many different categories that we assess um, within this uh, patient information award ceremony. Um, children you know there's there was something for on eczema for children it's a storybook and it's called the itchy saurus it's about a dinosaur with an itch because it's got eczema I mean the fantastic range of uh, ideas etc that I, I think uh, provides a invaluable resource.
0: It is incredible isn't it you don't realize what's out there and you, you know you mentioned that book you know there's so many clever uh, materials even just provided by hospitals for their own patients. And the, this award ceremony helps to make that widely known and, and get utilised further afield. So, you know, it's a, it's a really valuable piece of work. Absolutely. Great. So I wanted to um, ask you, I think you've been doing some work with um, digitalization and uh, the impact of artificial intelligence. And, again, this is an area, it's quite, um, well, it's obviously very important. Uh, the BMA has started to do some work on this, and I, I think it's going to become uh, much more of an issue in in healthcare and, and how patients interact with um, the NHS. And it does raise concerns, but it can also help improve access. So, did you did you want to explain a bit more about those side of things?
1: Uh, yes, well, it's all very exciting. Um, the things that will develop from artificial intelligence and information technology. Um, And it has already and will continue to have a big impact on patients, both good and bad. And we felt really pleased that um, our contribution to a report on this very topic was included in the the briefing notes of a BMA's public event, um, which happened this year.
2: Actually, all the COVID experience has speeded up the implementation and the increased use of uh, um, digitalization and IT. And we need to watch this very carefully because, as David said, yes, it can be hugely helpful um, in, in how systems work efficiently. But then it, it, it does have implications too for the doctor-patient relationship and uh, the interaction that we have with clinicians. And that I think that needs to be watched very carefully. Um, I think that for those people and those members of the public and patients who are up to speed on IT, comfortable with computers, then okay it's fine it doesn't exclude them but there there are lots of people out there who are not and also it requires self-confidence uh you know as i know here doing this (laughs) requires (laughs) self-confidence to use technology and to think on your feet um and for lots of members of the public that's that's huge. Yet they've got to be really organised before they do a, uh, a remote consultation. They've got to have all their list of questions to make sure they don't miss anything. There's no, not the same scope for silences like you have when you're face to face, where you can sort of get your act together and think, mm, have I missed anything? Or, or cues can be picked up by the clinician. All sorts of other things to take into account uh, in the impact that IT um, may have on, on our relationship with you.
1: I think we're concerned about communication and um, what may be lost in remote consultations um, because there's something intangible about um, face-to-face contact and the ability perhaps for the doctor to touch the patient or to smell the patient even. There are things that are lost when you're online instead of face-to-face with a doctor. And I think these things need to be thought through very carefully
0: absolutely jenny and uh, you know the bma has has got lots of work going on with it i mean artificial intelligence is, is is streets ahead of where the nhs is now and talking to some of my um, hospital colleagues they they're working on really old windows computers that sort of take 15 minutes to start up even and, uh, the ability to interact online with them is 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 very difficult so the basic things are not being sorted out in the NHS, so it's absolutely right that we look at artificial intelligence. But we need to continue to press for for the actual um, decent equipment, to so we can interact with patients. And I think we will be doing much more of this as time goes by. So it's it's a very important piece of work that we we focus on. So thanks for all you've done with that. Now I know you're also um, you're always refreshing your committee, aren't you? And I think you're currently. Um, interviewing so that that's quite exciting isn't it
2: yes we're spending two and a half days next week um with three of us on the panel jenny and i and alan hall one of our medical members and we're we're hoping to recruit one doctor and four lay people mm. so uh, yes that'd be um interesting and we're doing it online
0: <laughs> oh, so yes. that will be uh, And you've had lots of interest in that
2: Yes, we have. We've had lots of applicants, absolutely. And of course, we've had to keep them on hold for a bit because we were, we, they, they should have started in July, but obviously everything's had to be put back. So uh, we're, we're, now, we're now addressing that. So, yeah, exciting time. Yeah, it's good to have, you know, we have a term of office for all the membership and that's great. It's, you, need, you need refreshing new ideas to be input as well as, as having corporate memory of the PLG. So, exciting.
1: And also, we've been uh, short of two people who left very early during the session. So I think um, PLG will welcome having 11 lay members instead of nine this year.
0: Yeah, that's great. So I hope the interviews go well. Uh, I mean, you do huge amounts of work within the BMA and all the issues which we've talked about just just touches the surface. But I know you do um, also develop relationships externally, don't you, on patient issues? And I think you've been liaising with the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges and uh, National Voices. Did you want to explain what, what that's involved?
2: Yes, it was great. Um, Chand invited me to meet um, the new CEO of National Voices, Charlotte Ox, and he um, it's great to, to meet that. And in fact, we mentioned that we will be recruiting because they represent national voices, represent, represent a, a very large number of uh, patient groups. So we mentioned we would be recruiting. So she took that away with her, which, you know, obviously helps um, uh, our breadth of, of recruitment. Um, but also touching base with them on ideas is useful. And I met the uh, chair of the patient and lay group at the academy Um medical royal colleges Um, and I've been invited to speak at one of their next meetings just to tell them about the BMA POG, and it's it's very good just to to get ideas of how they work effectively within their setup with uh, committees etc just on a logistics point of view as much as anything as well so yeah it's invaluable.
0: Great yeah and obviously we're we're moving towards the um, annual representative meeting and we're recording this for that for that meeting a very different one this year it's a single day in September due to all all that's happened and that that sort of resets the BMA year doesn't it? so'll we'll, we'll move into a new session after that ARM and I wondered have you got any plans for the year ahead on top of you know all the work that you're doing already?
2: Uh, Well, we're hoping to, obviously, we're going to have four new members uh, and five, including the medical uh, member. Uh, We're going to look to um, extend our representation on the various committees of branch practice and other specialty committees within the BMA. We've gone up, I think, five years ago. Jenny, I think we were on five, weren't we? And now we're on 10 uh, committees, which is great. But um, we, we hope to be able to extend that.
1: And also the regional councils. We are only on London and now we're on six. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's great. So that, that's that's really good because Regional Councils is obviously the voice uh, of doctors out, out in different parts of the country. And, you know, for you to have a, um, a seat on there and a voice there is fantastic. So I'm really pleased to hear that.
1: Yeah, it's great to be at grassroots. I joined the Southwest Regional Council thanks to Helena, really. Um, and it's great to be at the grassroots because you get two-way traffic. I can tell... The regional council, what's been happening at BMA from a patient's perspective, and then I learn from the regional council, and I can feed up to the BMA. So that two-way traffic, I think, is so useful, so good, and healthy too for an organisation.
2: I think too, from my point of view, I was I'm really grateful to, as chair. I was been invited. Um, I've sat on the BMA strategy review group as part of the governance review. And that's great that that, um, the BMA is including a a patient voice there. I feel really privileged to to be there. Uh, And we're always working at um, at trying to make our role within the committees and stuff more effective, uh, better understood, and we've produced guidance uh, for chairs in the BMA for uh, on branch practice committees, uh, as how they can work most effectively with us, and I've already sat down with a couple of chairs before COVID uh, took over um, to to just go through with them that that. that um, that guidance and they they seem to find it very helpful we also get feedback from all the chairs every year as to how they feel the the role of the plg lay rep is actually working so we it's it's great and so far it's been very positive which is which is fantastic
0: no and it's uh, it's just brilliant all the all the work you're doing it's, it's so busy but it's such important work and uh feeding that into you know across the whole bma is is vital and I uh, just wanted to thank you again for all, all that you have done and will be doing. So, I'll, so I'll, I think we're coming towards the end now. I wondered if there's anything else you wanted to um, mention or anything we've not covered?
2: Yes, just sort of in the in the short term, sort of going on forwards from all this experience that we've had with the recent COVID-19 um, crisis, it, it, we feel very much that it will be essential to get widespread patient feedback and clinical outcomes assessed before working practices that change during COVID are Im- implemented by default or for financial workload or convenience reasons. We hope very much that that's the case, because obviously feedback is gained as you've been uh, having your remote consultations, et cetera, directly with those patients. But there will be a wide number of, of patients out there who may not have accessed primary care or secondary care during this period for whatever reason. And, and they, their views need to be Um, actually heard as well we feel that's very important Um, and I think the various innovations new ways of working that are currently emerging provide an ideal opportunity for doctors to engage and encourage patients to be active participants in the way our care is delivered and patient and public involvement and engagement is crucial if any system of delivering health care is to work effectively I think only by working together will we be able to take on the huge adjustments that we all know will need to be made from here on in, really.
0: Well, that that sounds really important, and I'd be keen to sort of know more about that and, and learn about that and work with you. Um, you know, I think doctors have so much to learn from patients, and often we th- we think we know what patients uh, uh, want are needing, but um, you know, that's often that isn't the case, and that's where sort of work like this is really important and helping us to improve and deliver better patient care. So, so that that's a really important piece of work as we move forward
2: and in the longer term i think obviously we'd support any campaign for government to legislate better social care for adults in the light of uh you know the high rate of covid deaths that happened in residential homes and obviously address any concerns about the increased any increased inequity in the light of the covid fallout so basically that's what we're looking at at the moment
0: yeah great okay was there anything else um jenny leslie
1: Oh yes, may 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 we ask you a question, please, David.
0: Oh yes, you can.
1: Um the BMA set up the PLG in two thousand and four. And what we'd like to know is what do you see as our value to the BMA's work and the medical profession?
0: All oh, right, that's a really good question. So uh, I suppose I'm in mean, a handy perspective in that I saw the BMA before the PLG and then I've seen it um, start and then develop um, as as time has gone by and uh and I, I think the value and the impact of the PLG on the BMA has been phenomenal uh you know that your voice is there on on committees and I've seen that happen in BMA council I've seen it on the GP committee and many many others and uh, your input into consultations it just it gives us completely different nuance and view on on the work that we do and you know that patient perspective is so important and obviously doctors are patients as well but i don't think doctors make very good patients so <laughs> you know your your uh, your view is vital and I, I, I hope to see it expand further and go from strength to strength so uh, more more power to your arm and i think you're doing a brilliant job and let, let's let's work together and carry on and make it even better
2: oh here here thank you so much david that's really appreciated
0: thank you great so i i really appreciate your time thank you and 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 this recording is obviously available for all the uh, attendees at the bma's annual meeting and it could go for uh, more widely as well just to explain all the brilliant work you're doing so perhaps we could do it again sometime and i'm i'm just really thankful for 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 doing this and um, let's try and catch up soon so all the best to you both bye bye
1: thank you bye bye david thank you david bye